What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Evan Growth Live. Wait, no, we're not growthing. This is a Thursday. What are you doing? <laughs> it's not a growth day. <laughs> what are you doing? I was in the flow. I was ready to grow. I was, I was ready to hit the intro, scratch that, reverse it. I wish I had some turntables to rip, 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 wind it back. Episode 123 today, we're going to talk about CMSs. Actually, this is going to be a deep dive into not just which CMSs are good for building websites, but kind of the evolution of CMS in general. Where this started, we're gonna go back 20 years. We're gonna look at why WordPress became popular, why Squarespace, Wix, and Weebly kind of came right after that, uh, why CMSs go headless, the evolution of e-commerce, and then what we saw in the last couple years with the increase, the explosion of people trying to get online, uh, the mainstreaming of Webflow as a platform. Um, obviously, COVID got everybody trying to get onto the internet doing their thing, and so we're gonna talk all about that. We're gonna compare why people are using all these CMSs and what that means. and. I don't know. Anyway, before we get too far into this, no, it's not. I just want to just. (laughs) All right. Anyway, Joe, what's up? (laughs) All good. We are not going to effing grow today. Oh, that's funny. We are. We're going to effing learn. Mm. Yeah, that's a good one. I'm doing well. Yeah, this is a nice topic. And I will say. I. I'm not that experienced in this. I'm looking to learn a little bit here because Rymar, you have more experience with all this than I do. I kind of got in and, and went right to Webflow, but you have this this deeper knowledge of of the, the ecosystem. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll reveal one of our disclaimers a little early today is that we're, we're learning with all of you. So this is going to be a learning experience. We're going to go through. Obviously, we've done a little bit of research, but you know how we do. These shows are always led by the audience. So let's take a look at who's with us today. We got Magdalena in the house back after a very long time. Good to see you back. We've missed you in the crowd. Uh, John is here. Hello, Keith. Uh, Tanette, what's up from Atlanta? Yeah, let us know where you're watching from. Bull Shark is watching from Australia. Tony Seats in the house. Michael Rose, what's up? Rahul is in the house from London. Okay. Eric Freeland. Hello, Daniel Brasnio. Eric is in the house. Hey, Daniel, remember when I mis- used to mispronounce your last name? Here we go. Look, <laughs> I just said that like a pro this time, I think. Uh, I'm still not sure that's exactly how you pronounce it, but that's what we're going to go with. Tiago's here from Milan, Italy. What's up from Miami? Juan Cardona. Hello from Barcelona. Tom Volta is in the house. Penny is watching from Canada. Christian is in Bremen, Germany. Wow. Uh, okay. Milan is here. Gabe is, uh, where Gabe? Gabe is in Brazil, I think. Spencer's in the house. Argentina. Wardo, what's Argentina. Argentina, South American House, Croatia, City of Angels, Jay Wolf in the house. What's up, Jay Wolf? Um, let's okay, 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 okay. That's enough. That's enough. That's enough. <laughs> you got to get here earlier if you, you want the shout out. I know you want that. You got the earlier the better. Soon it's just going to be a small portion. Yeah. No horns. No early horns, Arvind. We only get the horns after 100. So if you're new, we hit the horn when we get 100. Every increment of 100, we hit the horn again. And we're actually talking about some other cool stuff that we're playing with or maybe considering in the future for like fun engagement stuff that when you all take activities, things happen on the stream. So uh, anyway, let's get into um, announcements real quick. We've just got a couple little things to talk about. Let's see, where are we? Oh, I don't even know if I have them up on my screen. How dare you, Rymar? Uh, Flochella is coming up i don't even have it up here how i'm 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 slacking y'all i have all my links for the cms stuff and none of my announcement links uh (laughs) here we go all right flochella webflow fest um 
continues this Friday. If you weren't there that last week with Joseph Barry, Niccolo, and Joe Moore, it was a blast. This week is going to be great with Corey, Grace Walker, and Yusuf. Um, it was literally hours worth of learning with uh, designers, talking all sorts of stuff up and down about how they approach the process. Um, just show there, show up. It's going to be in the gather space. A lot of fun. Melissa Mendez and Keith do a good job of hosting that. They're also doing these Webflow parties and Webflow shows and stuff. So just connect with those folks um, to keep up with all the goodness that's going on in the community. The next announcement is what? I probably need a link for this one too. <laughs> What's the next Webflow announcement? Webflow and Joe? mental health next ah, Tuesday. Yeah, our Tuesday episode next week. Yeah, next Tuesday we are talking about mental health as it relates to working in this industry, working as freelancers, working from home, uh, working in tech. This will be an interesting episode. We, you know, we normally talk really specific about Webflow and functionality and growing your business, but let's take a step back and talk about having all the right tools and mindsets to actually perform your job. Yeah. So that's going to be a good one. Definitely yeah. come next Tuesday. Yeah, we're going to get deep next week for sure on the personal stuff, which is things we don't typically do on this show. Uh, but yeah, um, if you're following me on Twitter, you've seen me posting some about my journey recently with some fitness and some of the stuff I'm working on. And I think we all deal with that in this space. And so it's important for us to go and dive in and let you all know that, you know, we're not just up here perfect boxes on a screen that everything goes swimmingly for, you know, that we struggle with stuff and um, that everyone kind of deals with these things in, in this world as freelancers, as growing a business, as a family, right? We've seen the flow pros evolve in our pro community. And so like all of these things are topics that are interesting to talk about. Actually, if you're out there as a flow parent, it might be cool in the pro community to get some topics for the mental health stuff that um, neither Joe or I are parents. So we can't speak to that. So it would be interesting if, if you want to share some of that. So um, and then the final announcement, which is super cool, is the trivia next week, Joe. We have major announcements. The trivia, if you were at the mm. pros, only hang out. Um, you know, you, you, you oh, got yeah. a glance of that, but do you want to share a little bit about what's coming? Yes. We did our first trivia at the Global Open House, and we had a lot of feedback about how we can improve the process. So over the past few weeks, we have been improving that process with Jonas from WISD. And this is going to be a whole different experience of trivia. We have lives, so no automatic elimination. That was a big thing people didn't like, that you answered a question incorrectly and you were out. Now we have multiple lives, multiple options, uh, multiple, yeah, multiple lives. That's the best way to put it. We have a Jokers 50-50, so you can use a Joker and remove 50% of the answers. Two of the answers will go away, so you have a better chance at answering that question. And my favorite is the live scoreboard. Everybody's going to have a little icon, their name, and you will be in a scoreboard so you can see how you answer the questions compared to everybody else playing. So this is now going to become a much more interactive experience. People will not be kicked out very easily and we'll see who's answering the most correct questions. Yeah. It's going to be a big update. And when is that? Next Thursday? Next Thursday. So a week from today. Next Thursday. A week from today that um, I think we're just getting the thumbnail approved and we'll put that up on the YouTube. Uh, and so we'll get that placeholder for those episodes Tuesday and Thursday up. And yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. The trivia stuff was a blast. Um, these updates are going to add a couple quality of life improvements. The other thing is the first question is just going to be a freebie. So nobody gets eliminated on the 
first question as we learn how to use trivia. Um, so lots of quality of life improvements that came from recommendations from all of you at the last time. So make sure you show up uh, one more time for that. Um, <laughs> let's see. Okay. I was laughing at this joke from Michael Rose here. He's saying, except for Joe, his hair is always perfect. <laughs> uh. Nice. Thank That's you, funny. Michael. <laughs> okay. Quick disclaimers. Uh, we already talked about disclaimer one that we're learning with you today. Um, yeah, this is just going to be a walkthrough of some of what I know from my past experience, some of what I've been researching to talk about this for the episode Tuesday. Some of this was supposed to be talked about Tuesday. This is kind of a continuation on some of that. And then um, just what we think is evolving in the space. So we're learning with you. We're not experts in any of this CMS platforms other than Webflow. Um, I did used to make a living on WordPress um, before I came to Webflow, but I no longer consider myself a WordPress expert because it's been a few years since I've been doing that. And so um, just take that for granted or take that as, as we talk about this, you know, take it all in with a grain of salt. Any other thoughts on disclaimer, Joe? That's it. Yeah, uh, I, I, I'll double reiterate that we're learning together with you. I have not used another CMS. Uh, even, you know, even when I was using WordPress for a few months, I, I didn't really understand what that meant. So, yeah, this is a... Uh, it's good to know this. You know, it's good to know this information when you're speaking to clients, when you're speaking to leads, talking about other things. If somebody comes from a CMS and you know just a little bit of information about that CMS and know just a little bit more about how that migration process may go, it's going to really help you in the sale. Mm -hmm. So it's important to know even just the basics of this. Yeah. So that's, yeah, it's a nice part of today's episode. Yeah, and that's one of the things we wanna start experimenting with on some of this. Like we go deep on Webflow, um, but you know, how many times are we just gonna tell you that Webflow is the best? And so I think at some of this, we wanna go through and start looking at like the grander ecosystem, start sharing knowledge that might be useful for you to well-round your skill set in the space. So without any further ado, let's talk, let's ask you, have you do you have any experience with other CMS platforms? We, we wanna know from you in the audience. Uh, have you worked with WordPress? Are you a Squarespace person? Do you, are you exclusive in Webflow? Are you dabbling with other products on the side? Do you build with Bubble? Do you, you know, like, what are you using? Are you just no code stack? Are you just using, you know, the Webflow, Airtable, Zapier kind of thing or Integromatter kind of thing? Or are you building with any of these other platforms we would like to know? So share that in the comments. Let me get my comments out of here into a different place so that I can share my screen properly with you all. Okay, and then let's go into this, Joe. Let's uh, jump right in. All right, what is a CMS? Rymar, answer that for me. Yeah, so the content management system is really just uh, you know where you store your content. <laughs> it's literally super simple. It's a place that holds content. We know content could be anything. It could be a blog article, it could be a recipe, it could be a video. Um, and the, the thing I wanted to point out here is like the difference between, and we'll talk about this kind of repeated through the episode as we talk about the evolution of the CMS, is there's these monolithic CMS structures, right? Like a WordPress, I guess Webflow at a certain level is that because it has the front end and the back end, right? And so I don't know that it technically falls into this monolithic structure because um, 
we'll talk about some of those differences, but I think like a WordPress, a Joomla, a Drupal kind of falls more into this monolithic content management system where it's just everything. It's got the back end, it's got the front end, et cetera. Um, one of the things we'll talk about as we go through is why things went headless and why things are decoupling. If you watched our front end as a service episode, we've talked about the decoupling of these services and why things are moving to separate back ends and separate front ends. And so we'll talk about why the CMSs went headless um, kind of as this conversation evolves. But right now, just think of the content management system as a wrapper or a container or a home for whatever content you wanna share on the internet. So if you're building a recipe blog, well, it's the place where you can outline, okay, each recipe has a title, each recipe has uh, ingredients, each recipe has instructions. It's when you go into Webflow and you create a collection and they build that CMS, those, uh, those fields, that is basically you're mapping the fields in your content management system. And in the evolution of websites, that content management system was hard, it was code-based, right? And WordPress, some of these early Joomla, Drupal, some of these are early content management systems is really what enabled people, folks like us, to start building online, to start blogging online, to start doing some of these things that eventually became social media, that eventually became online commerce, that eventually became all these tools now that we're building our careers around. This all started and has been around for a long time. So maybe you're just finding it now and this is new to you. This is like, you know, you're, you're the Webflow pro and you think you know a little something. Well, you know, don't, don't forget, this is industry has been around evolving for 20 years. You're coming into like the third phase of an evolution here. So there's always stuff to learn and kind of take in. So any thoughts? And this is a cool article. I think all these articles are in the description, by the way. But this is cool because it talked uh, through kind of Web 1.0, Web 2.0, and the role of a CMS. So Web 1.0, it talks a little bit about static uh, websites. Everything was kind of designed page by page. You know, if you wanted a page on the website, the content on the page was designed on that page. Web 2.0, where it's talking about here, start bringing the CMS, you start dealing with dynamic data. We're not gonna get into Web 3.0 because that's another phase, but as it relates to content management, it's important to know that that's what Web 1.0 and Web 2.0, that's where those terms come from. So yeah, you may be coming in as a Web 3.0 person in this no-code world and again, think you're like, you know, the cream of the crop, but there's huge ecosystems in here that have been around for a long time that are hesitant to change. And that's where we're gonna get into some of the evolution of all of this as we go through. Joe, any thoughts there on what is a CMS, uh, the role it plays uh, before we get into kind of how that's evolved so far? Well, that's it's nice to see that one and two. I remember being around for one where it really, it felt like that was the only information on that page, that static information. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, that, that change is dramatic, yeah. right? It, you can do so much with content is static on the page versus content is dynamically sourced through some other system. So yeah, that's, uh, it's amazing to have lived through that and to experience it. Yeah. Yeah. And also, um, to just kind of see how far this has all come. You know, mm -hmm. like your people are yeah. web native, they're coming in and this is like the game and they're like, oh, this is how it's supposed to be. But, oh, we've been beating our heads against this for a long time. This is why we're so excited to be able to have this stuff, because so many people have been beating their heads against this wall called WordPress. Let's see who, who we got here. Raphael saying he worked with WordPress. Uh, Mike Douglas currently have 12 clients on Duda. We're going to look at Duda, I think, as part of this. Mm -hmm. It's on our list to, to explore. It's kind of like a whole agency in a box model. So I could see why people find value in that. Arvind is saying Wix, working with Wix. Okay. I worked for Vladimir FMCG company and they used 
Umbraco CMS, free open source. Yeah, I never heard of that, but sure. <laughs> Brianna, I've used WordPress, Wix, Squarespace, Webflow is my favorite so far. Great. Eric, first the CMS experience was Joomla, then WordPress for a long time and customizing themes. I think there's lots of people still in that world that don't even know about all these things that are happening right now, right? They're so focused building with WordPress, Squarespace, whatever it is, their tool, and that that's the mode they're in. And so they don't even know that they haven't seen Webflow yet. Um, and yeah, that's where I think lots of growth. Go back to episode Tuesday to, to think more about that. CMS made simple, Penny saying great modules for content management. Okay, without knowing PHP. Interesting, CMS made simple, never heard of that. Hmm. There's so many. Rock and roll, build really sites are. with WordPress, Squarespace, Solely Webflow now. Hmm. Great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and we talked about this on Tuesday, how we keep seeing people say, I was on WordPress, coming over to Webflow. That's, that's really gonna get that percentage up for Webflow. Brett Trippin saying he uses Shopify. With Shopify 2.0, you're able to build sections, components that give you can place on any page, giving the merchant the ability to add change dynamic content. There you go. Cool. Components. Imagine Webflow with symbols that you could map to um, collections, and then you could just change those mappings, and so your symbols become components. Yes, please, Webflow. Uh, was previously WordPress page builder. Love Webflow. Great. Okay, so we've got lots of Webflow conf or I'm sorry, WordPress converts to Webflow in the audience here. Let's take a look at the next step of this evolution here because now we know what a CMS is. Um, but let's look at like the the elephant in the room. You know, you can't have a conversation about um, CMS you know, without having a conversation about WordPress. Because as we looked on our chart, this is kind of what started this conversation the other day. We look at this chart, historical yearly trends in the use of statistics of content management systems. We see that WordPress is really, like it's WordPress and then the world, right? It's yep. literally WordPress versus everyone. Mm -hmm. But are we at the moment, look at all these competitors here that are in this 1% range. You know, like look at all these things. And some of these are like interesting products. Where was it? Uh, we get a little higher up here. What was it? Look, Zendesk. You know, they've got some cool stuff. I think, you know, like for support, people are doing a lot of stuff on Zendesk. Moodle, we'll talk a little bit about here later on the show. Craft CMS are, are is big things. GitHub's now playing in the space. GitHub pages. You know, all of these little things. Duda here, as we talked about. So look at these things. 0.3%, 0.2%, 0.1%. So all of these are little not notches in this, you know, big WordPress percentage, but really it's just, you know, there's three players here that get above 2%, Squarespace, Wix, and Shopify. You've got your Joomla and Drupal, which are the open source competitors to WordPress, which are, I think, honestly, slowly dying. These these are, yeah. Yeah. These are, I mean, look look at this. Well, well, maybe they're not dying. Like, this is, this is for sure. Look, 2.6, 2.8, 2.8, 3.3, 3.3, 3.3. Okay, in 2016, and then 2019, you start seeing this drop. This is a drop that you'll, you'll just see that die off. Um, yeah. Same thing here. You're seeing it go, two, it peaked at 2% and came down. WordPress is the one that took off. WordPress won this game. You know, from here to here, this was a battle between WordPress, Joomla, and Drupal. So if we were to go through like these platforms, they were all open source kind of competing at the same time. This is what started the craze 20 years ago. But I'm wondering, are we reaching, and we talk about this all the time, that BlackBerry phase where we're shifting into these new platforms, you know, where there's just new tools, new toys, new things to play. There's crazy legacy architecture here. So you can do anything with WordPress, but there's lots of technical debt. There's lots of barriers to entry. There's lots of like, 
you got to stand up your own servers. Um, you know, there's thousands and thousands of plugins, but how do you vet them? So Joe, I, I, do you have any thoughts here on the WordPress, Joomla and Drupal? The, the cool thing is these are all open source. So this is why these took off. You know, these three were like at the beginning, there was no way to get on the web before WordPress. There was no blogging. There was like this thing called B2 that eventually became WordPress that Matt Mullenweg actually started and um, started working with and then came into uh, that became WordPress. But people weren't able to publish online like this idea of being a blogger, like you had to be a media company. You had to be a ABC, a NBC, a CBS, a Fox News, a something. You had to have infrastructure, Developer. You had to have money. You had. Yeah, you had to you, really in order to do this and not be one of those giant companies you had to be a developer. You had to write the code to publish your work. And at that time, with no information out there, that was a very, very difficult ask. Very few people knew how to write code for the web, right? The, the best resource at the time was probably a paper book. And like one person wrote it. And only a few people understood what that person's talking about. So yeah, it... I remember hearing stories of people saying the cost of their early, early website in the 90s was tens and tens of thousands of dollars for a relatively simple amount of work for somebody that knows how to do it. But nobody knew how to do it. Right. This is also, guess what, starts coming up in this time. Amazon, right, decides they're going to become the biggest online bookseller. So your point, Joe, like information used to live, for those of y'all who don't remember, in books. Then they have these things called libraries that are just full of them. And now all these things are on the internet, right? So we take for granted that the whole world is now on this device. But 20 years ago, none of that was true, right? 20 years ago, you had to go to the encyclopedia. You had to look some things up. You had to go check out the Dewey Decimal System. Y'all remember that? Shout out for Dewey Decimal, you know? Um, and so WordPress comes around, right? Don't forget how revolutionary this was at the time to allow anyone to start a blog, to stand up a, a server somewhere on the internet, put this free open platform on, and then start sharing thoughts. It, it was social media before social media was popular. The reason social media won, for two reasons. Social media made it a lot easier. You didn't have to go stand up your own server. So WordPress was actually out before Facebook and, and these early social networks, even MySpace. Kind of around the same time, I think. Um, but WordPress had this huge technical hurdle to get into the game where Facebook and some of these other platforms, you just post your picture. You just post your thing. You just post your status. You don't have to think about the technical stuff. So that was reason one. Reason two was the audience, the network effect. So Facebook and social media built in an audience aggregation network with their content management system where WordPress was like, no, you can own your content. It'll be open source. You can hold your content over here in this container and do whatever you want with it. But you also have to attract people to it. You also have to distribute it. You have to maintain it. You have to do all this shit. And so social media was like, no, we're going to put your post right next to the other people's posts. And so everyone can kind of see in a feed of what's happening. And so that's why these things took off rather than why WordPress is Facebook right now. Right. The value of WordPress is massive, but it's not Facebook. Right. So what happens when you give people the flexibility to have the same architecture as a Facebook, as a Google, as a Instagram behind their website, but then give them the same flexibility as some of these platforms? And that's what we're seeing as the evolution of these CMSs. That's really what we're seeing. So going back, WordPress, Joomla, Drupal come out. That's like V1 of CMS, you know, and then we get into Squarespace, Wix, Weebly. Joe, did you ever mess around with any of those? No, never, 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 never. So you didn't even like, you just, 
WordPress once yeah, or twice I, and then jumped right in. Exactly. WordPress because somebody brand new to the web, when you're searching for how to make a website, the WordPress content is very prominent, especially 10 years ago. Mm. So all I was seeing was WordPress. So naturally I jumped in. I don't need to write code for this. And right when I found Webflow, I knew it was the platform. I didn't have to start researching or doing anything else. I knew the idea of Squarespace. I knew the idea of Wix. And I knew that this Webflow thing was just so much more superior for creating marketing sites, for creating what people want. So yeah, it was. It just felt like a really easy decision at that time. <laughs> I yeah, and it, it makes it's going to make more and more sense the the further we go into the game. You yeah. know, uh, Daniel, I want to pull pull this up. Way back in two thousand eight, I started learning PHP from a three hundred plus page book. It wasn't fun. I still have that book on my shelf. I have like PHP book and CSS three and HTML five, like a book, and I'm like learning to code in a book. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Handwriting code, dude. I used to work with a guy who would handwrite his code, y'all, and then take it to the computer. What are you talking about? Like, there's no auto prompts on. Like, I can't even spell English, let alone code. What are you talking about? You know, <laughs> to write in a journal here. This is funny. <laughs> um, That's vintage. I've never heard that before. Yeah. That's cool. Solving problems and... I, I do that now, like with data layout, information, information architecture, I'll sketch sometimes, but yeah, this dude was like writing out lines of code. I remember at lunch one time he was like writing little logic sequences and I was like, what are you doing? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, get the fuck out of here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was learning JavaScript for dummies a few years back. Yeah. I'm still a dummy. I haven't learned JavaScript. I tried a number of times. <laughs> Um, so let's go back to this editor X and Squarespace have nice designers and people also community, but they don't have Webflow and community. It's next level. So let's talk about why things like Weebly popped up. You know, let's talk about why you get into a Wix and a Squarespace, you know, these platforms after WordPress. So WordPress kind of comes in and sets the scene. You know, they're like, hey, look, you can blog. Look at this we're going to package up this content management system in an open source setting, uh, but you got to maintain it. You got to still set up the servers. You got to do all this other stuff. And also the themes are not like super vetted, you know, and some of the functionality, you have to go get it in this plugin marketplace where it's not really, you know, like secure. You're not really sure what you're getting. So along comes a Squarespace and along comes a Wix and they're like, no, 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 we got it vetted, y'all. These themes are real nice. Look at this stuff we've got. And so look, grow your online business. This becomes like a real appealing call to action here. You don't have to worry about, look, they don't say stand up a server, <laughs> you know, you go to yeah. WordPress and you, you know, like you pull this stuff up. It's like, okay, well first, and I think we're on wordpress.com. Let me go to .org here. Cause when you look here, you don't have to do anything. Look, create a website. Great. Oh, step two, I'm selling shit. I'm already selling it. Step two over here, bruh. <laughs> you know, I got to like figure out, get started. Okay. Get WordPress. What does this mean? Oh shit. I got to find a host first. I can't just click a button and start. No, I got to download. What do I want to download a targ.gz file? What the fuck is that? You know, you <laughs> speaking languages over here that I don't understand. Whereas Squarespace comes in and they're like, yo, step one, create a website. What? I don't have to stand up a server. I don't have to do a thing. I can just create. And so people are like, yeah, I want to do that. I want to build. And so guess what? Squarespace jumps into the game. Wix jumps into the game. All of these, you know, look, a couple bucks a month, get you online, build whatever you want, get it going. 
So this was the natural iteration. This was a natural progression from WordPress, open source. This is closed source, right? So this is people seeing what WordPress was and saying, hey, we could build a proprietary model around that. We can make that a little better. We could take the bones of what people are doing with WordPress and just maybe simplify it for folks so they don't have to do all this technical stuff and they can just start building. Let's give them all these beautiful themes. Let's give them all these, you know, functionalities. Let's let them log in and not have to worry about this stuff. And so, of course, the next evolution in the CMS game was this kind of thing. You know, but it was a long time you couldn't build a site like this in Squarespace. This is new. Like, you know, <laughs> this is real new. What are you thinking, Joe? What they're doing is making it easier. And that's what appeals to people so much. That with WordPress, like you said, you have all these things to do, and this Squarespace makes it easier. And I saw that same thing when going from MySpace to Facebook. Fa Facebook was just a little bit easier. There was less to do. Remember MySpace? You had to like, you had like a profile song, and you like you picked friends, mm -hmm. your top friends, and you could add some HTML and CSS to the page, and like it was just a little bit more to manage. Right. You you kind of had to learn how to manage your MySpace page and Facebook comes along and it's just a little bit easier. It allows more people to to just say what they want to say. So I see that as a similar thing. It, it gets easier. iPhone comes out. We remove the buttons. This is easier. So that's how I see the CMS where the WordPress comes out and now the Weebly uh, Squarespace comes out. It's easier. Webflow comes out, it's easier than writing it by hand. So people go to it because it's easier. Yeah, yeah, right. And I think that's what we see at every progression of this path is that things get a little easier and maybe you can like foreshadowing here, bum, 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 where we might be headed with, you know, where this stuff is headed, getting easier, abstracting the technical complexity, right? Simplifying the process of getting the ideas out of your head and onto a digital sphere where you can focus on the things that matter, marketing the product, selling the product, getting a bigger audience, like how to do all these things, right? If you have to worry about all the technical stuff, well, that takes up time. And so it creates hurdles to doing the other things you have to do those things first and then you can focus on that stuff so these tools these evolutions allow you to then come and have a little bit more flexibility as you go which is why they become headless in the next stage right why you know in the early 2010s 2016 squarespace wix blah blah these these other platforms come on not a ton those are the kind of the ones um to really be competitive but then you also see this evolution in what's called a headless cms in 2016 you see wordpress uh launch their rest api and this essentially turned WordPress into a headless CMS because WordPress is good at managing content. It is a content management system first before it's anything else. It just has a lot of technical layers and you couldn't get to those technical layers without a front end, without, without a theme, without again, the PHP backend. But with this REST API, you could, right? With uh, the advent of things like um, Ghost CMS, where is it? You know, these guys are making promises that I think start looking real appealing to folks um, you know, launch your own Patreon, launch your own strategy. I don't know what that is. Uh, of course, like a launch your own media company. I think it goes on to say launch your own Netflix kind of thing. And so these folks are making the same kind of promise here that build your own website, but they've separated the front from the back end. 
And so if you go back to our fast episode where we talked about why this is happening, why software is becoming more modular, why these backends are serving up these tools to the front end, you see that it makes sense for the CMSs to kind of split up the front end from the back end so that you can get more specialized tools for building front ends and you can get more nuance on the back ends. If we look at what Craft Ghost offers here, actually, let me look at my notes here because Ghost um, uh, offers something Webflow doesn't, which is a modern content editing experience for writers. This is something that I think um, Webflow still has a lot of room to grow on. You know, it's this WYSIWYG editor. It's because does anybody remember Medium? Joe, do you remember Medium and how popular that was just a couple sure. years ago? Sure. I wrote an article a few years back talking about is Medium trying to steal your blog? Because what Medium was trying to do was take what WordPress was doing, but give you a very beautiful content editing experience for writers, which again is what some of these like ghost CMS and uh, where's the other one? Craft where I had it up here. Craft, hosting craft. But with craft, you got to host it. Same thing, right? So these are just your backends. So they give you lots of tools to do the, the, the business side of things, right? So e-commerce, design and develop. But this looks a lot like code. Oh, shit. That's because you got to write code. You got to build your front end. And then you send this content that you create beautifully and manage it here into a structure. And so the headless CMS came because you needed to be omni-channel. Right. So I wanted as a business to have one big container with all of my content. And then I wanted to be able to send that to the website. I wanted to be able to send that to the mobile app. I wanted to be able to send that to my uh, Apple TV app or the Roku app or whatever it is. And I wanted to be able to send it to, you know, whatever native platform. But I didn't want to have to manage that. When you manage a Webflow CMS is the problem we run into all the time and why like tools like Noble exist. It's because you want to manage the content in Airtable. You want that to be your headless CMS and you want to feed that to Webflow. Because you maybe want to use that content somewhere else. You don't want to have it in Webflow and then another instance of it in your mobile app. And when you need to make an update over here, you also have to go do that in the mobile app. Right. So as you start wanting to put your content in different places and make that available in different experiences, you kind of want to detach the back end, which is where these headless systems come in in the mid 2010s and kind of moving on. Right. Headless CMS is all the talk right now. You're seeing WordPress go headless. You're seeing this craft ghost, all these different platforms. Um, potentially feeding platforms like Webflow front ends, right? So could you eventually, now you're seeing how we're looping this back to that front end as a service. Um, and I feel like I'm just kind of going on here, Joe. Any thoughts <laughs> as we go into any of this? I know, um, I feel like this is just Reimar teaching about CMSs, but I got like obsessed on this stuff. Like I went deep. This is why I was excited to do this episode <laughs> because it, this evolution leads you to Webflow. When we get done with this episode, you'll see that Webflow is just the natural evolution of all of this evolving into something else. And it's not done evolving yet. This stuff is not done evolving yet. So I'll leave it at that. Joe, any thoughts on this evolution? We're real close to 100, y'all. Let's hit that buzzer today, Kay. Mm, very close. I really like the headless CMS concept because it feels like an ultra specialization in CMS. Mm. If you have a platform that focuses on a lot of different things, you may not be really good at the one or two things that you should be good at. That's why Webflow dropped client billing. They don't want to be a billing company. They don't want to be, they don't want to do client billing. So now they get to focus more on CMS on the front end designer. And now when your product is just CMS, we don't have to worry about, building the front end, writing HTML, writing CSS. You know, oh, nice. There we go. hundred people. Sorry. Every time that happens, it happens right here mid sentence. Too. <laughs> yeah. What was I talking about? <laughs> I don't know. Ryan, the, run the replay. The, the, 
when you get to focus just on CMS, that means you get to build a really strong specialized CMS. You don't have these other things in your platform that have to integrate with it, that also need resources and attention. So it's very interesting that, that you can take a CMS and say, we're going to build this as the best CMS, and then you can use it however you want. We're just going to focus on the CMS side. You focus on the front end side. You focus on the the technical logic for your app side. Uh, and, and it also really plays so well with different requirements. Sometimes companies come to Webflow and most times companies come to Webflow and it's a perfect use case. The front end of Webflow just does a perfect job. And sometimes it doesn't, right? Sometimes there's very deep requirements, maybe uh, aligning styles from a different product or a different app or somewhere, something else. So having a headless option, it really makes that front end as a service so, so prime. It like, they just, they play together perfectly. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Any Anything more for that, Reimar? No, I think you're talking, to, it, that's exactly it. It allows things to specialize. You know, it allows people to kind of get granular. This is why we talk about niching down and web design, you know, it allows you to kind of focus on a certain thing. But then as you focus on a certain thing, you start losing other things. Uh, Vimalon asks a question here that's interesting that I think we, we should uh, address is, is, is CMS different from a database? Where does a Airtable fit into this? A CMS is a database. But back in, you know, 2000, early 2000s, into the 2001, 2002, 2003, as WordPress evolves and as these things come out, you know, nobody wants to introduce da database as a, as a term, right? This is the term coders use and no code is not a thing at this point. And so they're like, yeah, we use this database to manage our content. We'll call that a content management system. I know. And, and um, it, it is literally that, right? Sometimes it's just that simple. It, it lets you manage your content and software has come so far, let alone CMS systems, just software tooling itself. If you go into, again, you go into like the WordPress backend it's we we did this in an episode it's like clunky and it's like it's not built to modern web standards like we're used to seeing in technology today and so it was just harder to build that stuff and so yeah cms is just a name for a database that allows you to manage that content and give it some user controls um and then the headless is basically separating that from the thing so yeah the cms is really just a, a, a database Uh, we, sh we should also, <laughs> Tony, MySpace was my first foray into code. No joke. I had Abraham Lincoln's handle for testing themes for friends. <laughs> Lincoln looks surprisingly good in pink context. <laughs> nice. It was really wild what you could do to those MySpace pages. Mm. They really gave you access to that HTML and CSS. You know, you could pick something without touching any of the code. Right, you pick a pre-made theme and that's it. But you could really go in there and do anything. And you could get these little gifts and you could change the colors. And it was it's interesting to see how that went away because if it didn't go away, maybe more people would be technical, more people would be interested in coding. I mean, imagine another 15 years of MySpace with the ability to edit your profile like that. We could have a whole half a world of, of front end experts. Right. Right. Uh, Oscar saying off topic, is there anywhere I can ask about the calendar and the pro account? You can ask it here. We might get to them at the end. Um, 
we'll try to keep it on topic for the show here. Uh, Tanette saying, back in the day, yeah. I designed and built the 900-page intranet at Georgia Tech Research Institute Dreamweaver. All static content. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, forget symbols, forget global classes. You know, you need to make an update on one of those pages, and it's manually trudging through all of that. Oh, my goodness. Just us. Yeah, take that one, Joe. Love how the FinSuite community is growing like crazy. Thank you, Just. Appreciate that. Yeah. I remember watching live streams with 15 people. Good times. Yeah. And what? That was maybe a year and a half ago? I don't ago? know if I ever remember 15 people on our stream, y'all. Pretty low. Uh, yeah. I think <laughs> even like our early day stuff, we had like 30, 40. There were times where we our Tuesdays would get down into, our Thursdays would get down to like 20, 30 yeah. range, I think. So yeah, that, that for yeah. sure. But now we, ha I mean, we had what, 226, I think, or 200, no, 250 something on the stream a couple weeks ago. This past week we had 150, you know, we crossed 100 today. So yeah, definitely growing. It's cool to see that. I wasn't old Let's... enough to use my space. Ooh. That's wow. the thing I think is funny in this space and how, look, there's so many of y'all young bucks and you're so excited and you're so eager and I love it, right? You come in, you, you like, there's so much opportunity in this space, but this has been evolving for a long time, which is why I think episodes like this are important for you to understand the evolution of this thing. Don't just come in and thinking there's a, um, oh, do I do this? There's a, there's an analogy. I'm going to drop some philosophical wisdom that's totally unrelated to any of this right now. There's a, there's an analogy called Chesterton's fence. Okay. And this is something that kind of breaks up the world into two different archetypes. And Chesterton's fence is this concept of two people walking through a jungle and they stumble into a fence. And you, you might call one of these persons like a, a, a liberal and more free spirited and they want change. And the other one you might call a conservative and somebody who wants to like keep things a little more rigid. And so two people walking through a jungle and they run into a fence. And one person says, why is there a fence in the middle of this jungle? We should tear this down. And that's a logical thinking, right? Maybe you're in a jungle and you're like, why the hell is there a fence here? The other person might look at the fence and think, why the hell did somebody build a, a fence in the jungle, right? Why did somebody build a fence out here? And so it's not that either of these sides of looking at a problem is wrong, right? There's no problem in tearing down the fence if it needs to be torn down, but there's also no problem in looking at it and being like, hey, why is there a fence here? So as you look at these industries and as you look at things evolving and as you think like I'm young and eager and smart and I'm going to come in and change everything, maybe not. Maybe things are the way they are for a very specific reason, you know, and so maybe you can't always change all the things. Maybe you need to change things around the edges, right? It's hard to come in and tear down a big fence, but it's really easy to come in and build like a little door on a fence or to build a little port, a gate, right? So as you're approaching your career, as you're coming into the space, as you're learning about web design, as you're learning about this technology, always remember that there's reasons why people did things a certain way, right? Um, I saw somebody posted like, why is there a limitation on these CMS nested things? Well, it's there probably for a reason, right? A technical limitation or something. So again, as you go into your career, as you look at this stuff, just know that things are the way they are usually in society at scale for a reason. And typically that reason is because they work or because somebody powerful said that's the way they are. Um, and so, yeah, you should go challenge everything you can. You should break into this career. You should do everything. But also remember there's a history here. There's things to be learned about how this industry evolved and knowing that will make you better today. Like knowing what happened 10 years ago will make you better today, I think. Um, Joe, any thoughts on that? So again, off the soapbox. Now we'll go back to no code. Yeah, nice. Uh, well, I feel bad for everybody that missed MySpace. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't that good. Let's let's get back to the headless yep. CMS concept. Would love to comment on a disclaimer of the headless CMS concept. 
it's great that we have one content management source that manages all of our content and we can use that content wherever we want, right? This is a wonderful concept. The downside of that is you can't seamlessly integrate mm -hmm. with every single front end option, with another back end, with another service, with from what I've heard, Ghost and Craft are excellent, but they also have a learning curve mm -hmm. and there's a technical curve and you have to write code. And it's not just plug and play that we're getting from something like a Webflow. So that's what makes Webflow so advantageous that we have the content management system, it's, it's here, and we get to seamlessly connect it with the front end. Yeah. And when you go to the headless system, it's usually not that seamless for somebody that doesn't know how to do it for someone who's non-technical yeah that's exactly what this article is saying here again all these articles are in the description if you want to look at it but it's saying the main disadvantages of some headless cms's it's that uh right here a headless cms decoupling means many of these platforms don't have an easy to use consumer friendly interface such as a what you see is what you get editor a headless cms also might not include a way to stage and preview pages before going live so that's exactly what you're saying here joe is that yes it may give you a easier way to manage the content store the content hold the content and feed it to you know multiple sources however it leaves you wanting on that front end which again goes back to that front end of the service episode. You know, you really should watch that if you if you're interested in this stuff. Go back two weeks. Uh, we did that. It was, it was one of our most popular episodes, honestly, of the stream to date as we discuss some of these concepts. But yeah, Joe, what you're saying makes a lot of sense about the headless stuff. And this is why, again, these modern systems start to make a lot more sense. This is why a, a Webflow starts to make more sense as you start solving how do you build the front end code. Their CMS, I don't think, is as powerful as WordPress or some of these other options. But the front end solution is. And maybe some of these back end start plugging into the front ends. And so maybe we're seeing, you know, if we go back to this 1%, maybe some of these folks are competing on the front end. Maybe some of them are competing on the back end. Maybe some of them are competing in e-commerce, in learning systems. But somebody in here, every, every one of these has got their eye on this market share right here. And they want some of that. You know, they want some of that 43% that, that WordPress has. Yeah, imagine sharing some of that percentage going down that list. That opens that opens the possibility of in five years, maybe there's 10 popular players, mm -hmm. 10 popular companies that are sharing the space. Because really, it does feel like WordPress and then everybody else. You know, even even that, that second highest option, Shopify, it's just nowhere near it. Right. It's nowhere near it. Well, and the Shopify comment goes right into kind of the next evolution here because after things go headless and actually Shopify kind of kicks off in 2006, but really doesn't start taking off until like 2015, 2020 in the same time that things start going headless. You know, uh, they've got a, they've got time between 2016 and 2010, 15 ish to really kind of kick off their product and look at the you know promise they make the platform commerce is built on. So they specialized in just doing the merchant services stuff, just helping people sell the stuff. So their focus wasn't on building the website. Their focus wasn't on the content management. Well, I guess it was kind of because their content was store items. Um, 
but you know they had a different focus and they kind of killed the e-commerce same thing with woocommerce so at the same time wordpress right woocommerce is a customizable open source e-commerce platform built on wordpress so the same time you know things are going headless the same time cmss are kind of hitting their heyday uh squarespace and wix start coming on as like credible players these bigger platforms these monolith cmss right? Where was our article here about these monolith CMSs? I don't remember where it's at. I'm going to lose my spot. Let me not do that. Um, they start breaking out and then you see commerce become, you know, the real deal. Then you see that. And then this accelerates in 2020 with the pandemic, right? So then this becomes the core functionality. You see Webflow even trying to race to get their e-commerce functionality out, even though it's not fully baked and, you know, it's not something you're going to use for enterprise sales application. They want to be able to get out on top of this. You know, they want commerce on their websites because this is what people want to do. Yeah, making noise is fun. Social media is fun. Uh, but people really want to, like, make money on the Internet. That's the real value of, of building online. You know, sure, you can be an artist and you can show off your beautiful website. Yeah, you can play your music, but why do you really want to do that stuff? You want to do that because you want to make money. And so what we're seeing is that e-commerce then becomes the next evolution of where these CMSs go. Even these craft CMSs, you know, e-commerce, all of them come into a place where they're trying to let you sell, whether it's subscriptions. Um, I don't remember where I was seeing it on the feature side of things, whether it's subscriptions, whether it's memberships, um, whatever the tools are, everyone wants to get you to a place where you can make money on these platforms. And so that's kind of the real next step here is the evolution of these platforms into money-making enterprises online for the people who are powering them. And whoever figures that out, like this is why Shopify grew because you can now start a store with no technical hurdles. Same way a, a writer in the early 2000s could now go start a blog. You know, now your little Etsy, whatever, could, could jump online and sell. eBay, same kind of thing. You know, this took what eBay was, what Etsy kind of was, what, and those are still popular, but you don't own the platform. Here you can kind of start to own the experience and design that experience for your customers. And that becomes important on the web in building trust and doing all the things we talk about on our growth shows on Tuesdays, which lead to getting those dollars out of people's pockets into yours. Let's bring up a comment from Felix Means. Having never used WordPress, I feel like I'm missing something when talking to leads because I don't really know the pain they're experiencing with it. This is such a true fact. Felix, these streams have helped a lot. Thank you for those, but it's not the same as having experienced the pain yourself. This is very true. If you're able to empathize with somebody and say, I know what you are feeling. I have literally done the same exact thing that you are describing right now. That makes such a stronger connection than, oh yeah, I've heard a lot of people talk about this, or I, I hear that that's a problem with WordPress. Felix, I would recommend that you spend a day just messing around with WordPress. Mm -hmm. Clear the whole day uh, and download a template, go around the forum, start to edit a web page and see what's going on, see how it works. So at least when a lead is talking to you, you can talk about the left sidebar. You can explain what a plugin is. You can have downloaded a plugin that has a problem with it and see how that works. It's really important yeah. uh, being able to connect with somebody like that on such a deep level of, of real experience. Yeah. 
Yeah, and just seeing the time here, I know we're probably going to go a little bit long today because I have some honorable mentions of the CMSs and we want to go through some of these comments here. So uh, bear with us. I know um, it's funny because, Joe, we're in like this long form game and everyone's like, we want shorter, shorter content. And I think these streams going like an hour, 10, hour, 30 minutes are like, <laughs> it's yeah. there's something about the long form stuff that allows you to paint these pictures that you just can't do. You know, these narrative arcs that allow you to kind of see that, that I think have to take place. So um we will try to do for those of you looking for shorter content. We will try to do more of that, but we're we're you know these long form things are important. I think. Um, mm -hmm. Oscar, is there a community Slack invitation link around here? You can go to um, finsuite.com forward slash fn dash pro. That's where you need to go if you want into that Slack channel, y'all. And just know, rem reminder: these prices are going up at the end of the month here. So this lifetime's going mm -hmm. away and this price is going up. And as we talked about, we think those prices will continue to go up. So if you're looking to dive into this a little deeper and you want to join us on that space, that's where you go. Um, those links are also in the description as well. Spencer brings up a good point here. I th really think that Xano is going to change Airtable in a lot of ways. Higher learning curve, way more capable. I got my first look at Xano the other day um, with any real depth. And I was like, oh, this is just a visual controls on a database. Like these guys have really like Airtable is cool, but they kind of look took the Excel approach to a database, and Xano still has some of those same things. But when you see the data structure, when you see the schema, like oh, Xano's trying to like appeal more to these code forward folks, to the developer types, to the to the schema folks. Um, yeah, I, th I think that's going to be interesting. And again, that's the that's the curve we're seeing here. It's a simplification of the technical challenges. It's the visual interfaces on these things that used to be really hard to do. And it's the evolution of these tools that put the power into hands of folks like us so that we can build the things. You no longer need to be, you know, a computer science graduate from MIT to build a platform. You know, you can be a design school dropout, you know, playing around on the internet <laughs> at night, right? Would love to comment on this Xano piece. Yeah. Uh, before I said, people like when things are easier and they'll switch to something else when it's easier. And we see that Xano does have a little bit higher learning curve than Airtable. I hear great things about Xano, but it requires more learning curve. That doesn't mean that it's not easier. It may actually be easier in the final product mm. because if you have to use Airtable and then you have to move it to Make and then you have to have Air, uh, Zapier involved and then you're doing this and you're doing that, now that is difficult so what was once easy in the Airtable application if you have to use too much around you and too many integrations it's not easy so yeah xano may take more time to learn but it may actually be an easier solution if they are doing it correctly if they're preventing you from other troubles yeah so i i, I think that's going to be an interesting one to watch xano and Airtable. i hear such positive things about both platforms agreed agreed Mike's asking a good question here. Mike Douglas says, how do we know that WordPress really has 43% market share if their sites are hosted on multiple platforms? Where's that number coming from? Could a percentage of the 43 be half finished sites in the WordPress ecosystem? Um, this data comes from, let's look at the source here. Uh, let's go to my screen. And this is W3 Tech. Uh, I actually didn't see how they audit this, but I would imagine they're scraping. This stuff comes from like the first place I found uh, a chart like this was a tool like called built with, 
and then I kept looking for deeper and deeper, more accurate charts, and then I found this. Uh, these folks are scraping the web. This is probably coming from um, you know just just web crawlers looking at the technology. I know that's how Built With does it. You know, so that people come and they see, hey, I can see this is a WordPress site or I see this is a Webflow site or a WordPress uh, or a, a Squarespace or whatever. And so that's how they market. Um, I'm not sure it's perfectly accurate. I don't know how because the web is always evolving. So I don't know how you actually grab a, a tr true snapshot here. And I would venture to guess that a lot of what exists are old legacy sites. Sites that were built 10 years ago and never been updated, but they're sitting on some server somewhere. They still exist. I think somebody in our comments even was saying they had a Dreamweaver site from 20 years ago that's still up. So who knows you know, where a lot of this stuff is coming from. Where I'm more interested in looking at is you know, this com competition and how it grows over time. Um, and Joe, actually, if you want to share some thoughts, one of our, as a response to this chart posting online, somebody in our community posted another chart that kind of pivoted this table and showed it as a percentage of total growth. And um, I should pull that up. So Joe, um, share some thoughts while I scramble and find this other thing. Okay. Uh, let's spot. see. Yeah. Say let's something see interesting. Comment here. <laughs> <laughs> a comment from Nicola. Uh, I think Webflow should focus only on the front end mm. logic and designer and populate the pages content from this headless CMS that are more powerful or another database like Airtable or Xano. Well, yes, this is a nice theory. It's a nice concept, but I just can't see it being as integrated as connecting a Webflow CMS to a Webflow front end. So yes, maybe having a headless option will give you more control on how to manage that data, but it definitely won't make it easier to get that live on your site. A beauty with Webflow is you could really set up your data collection and go make it live in a very short period of time. So yeah, I, I don't disagree with you. I think this would be very cool, but I I really respect the CMS in Webflow and pairing that with the front end designer. I will agree with you for right now, Joe. <laughs> I right now, think okay. that imagine, okay, now we're totally dreaming speculative world. Imagine the plugin ecosystem, what it does is allow you to plug in whatever your external data source is. And when you go to bind your data, instead of having a CMS as an option, right from your plugin, you could see your plugin options. So imagine if right there, instead of collect it, connecting it to my Webflow CMS collection, I could just click, nope, connect that to HubSpot. Nope, collect that to whatever. And right there, and I click that, I have all my database fields. And I can just click and bind any of those data layers to the design. Shut the fuck up. It's coming. This is it. This is the front end of the service. Like this is why this could really like play out. I saw Bryant uh, here. Let, let, let me let me bring this things up because this is this is all going to start making sense as we see it all. Who, who did this? Christian Schmidt. Shout out to Christian Schmidt said when we take a look in percentage of growth, it's even more interesting. And again, this is a, in a reply to me sharing this chart and showing, you know, these these percentages of growth. And if you look at the percentages, Webflow actually leads the charge as a percentage of total growth. And then it goes downstream from there and look at where the, you know, WordPress and the Drupal's and the Joomla's and stuff fall when you look at them as a total percentage of growth. And then I came back, there was something else. There's one more, uh, where is it? Um, somebody else chimed in. I don't, oh, this one, um, this little, this little line, this is WordPress interest over time. This is a Google trend chart. So this is WordPress versus Webflow at the bottom here. 
And you can see Webflow is barely just creeping up here. And WordPress, you know, we asked this question the other day, have we seen wor peak WordPress? I don't know. <laughs> Google Trend is not, you know, like uh, these things are usually like not it. wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow, that's an interesting one. Right. And then uh, where is it? I, I, I posted something about, um, I don't know, we, it doesn't matter, um, but Bryant Chu liked it. And it says something about like con it, considering that Webflow could become the front end for all of these headless systems, you know, was kind of like my comment. And it got a little sneaky like from, from Bryant Chu, um, who if you don't know is a CTO at Webflow. So they're, they're thinking like this. They, in their dream world, you know, they figure out how to plug all this data into their front end tool. Like that's why I got to think why the VCs see this as like, holy cow, how, why, how can we put all of our money here? Right. They're seeing all of this SaaS stuff. They're seeing all these back ends they're seeing all of this for years. It's been data, get the data, get the data, you know, like, okay, well now I got these big databases. What the hell do I do with them now? No, now the invention coming in the future is going to be like aggregating that and putting it into containers. Let's maybe jump into some of these honorable mention CMSs, Joe, do, or are we, are we let, let's sure. just, let's just jump into a couple of these. Cause I want to show that these are getting specific too. They're not just falling into, um, you know, web design stuff. So I think we'll, we'll show a couple of honorable mention CMS things, and then we'll go into just random conversations to wrap up the show. So, um, HubSpot obviously can't be ignored. They have a really powerful CMS. They have crazy built in integrated stuff. Um, I actually talk about, remember my story, Joe, about my first website where the developer came back and said he couldn't build it. It's because we were trying mm -hmm. to build with some HubSpot stuff, you know? Uh, and so they had okay. web builders way back in the day when I was learning WordPress, I was also starting to learn with uh, HubSpot's like web building tool and it was okay. It was kind of like a crappy WordPress theme, which is where I think a lot of these early CMS front end builders started. They're like, Hey, how can we make these theme builders better? And so that's where you saw like, again, the Squarespace and the Wix, that's what, that's what they became. They became these like really like beautiful versions of like theme building tools. And so HubSpot, I don't know, will, will they feed Webflow data or will they build their own tool? Who knows? That's yet to be seen. Uh, that's an honorable mention CMS. There's, there's a couple other ones that we saw on this chart and this is where I'm pulling these from is I just kind of looked at interesting names on this chart. So if you see any here and you want us to look that up, we can pull them up kind of in the comments, but Moodle, this was big. This is an open source learning management platform, but you see this site and you're like, holy shit, am I on a site from 20 years ago? <laughs> you know, yeah. like, what is this? Come on, get the fuck out of here. I don't trust I, Maybe I do, but I'm just saying, you know, like people expect different now. This looks like something I would have seen a decade ago on the internet. Yeah, well, are educators looking for that next level design? Right. Unfortunately, not really. Right. Right. The decision makers at a college or a, a high school, they are probably liking this layout right here. Sure. Sure. And I get certain places, right? When you get into docs, this is, you know, layout I kind of expect for this kind of thing. But when you mm -hmm. get into like this experience, if I want someone to come to my yeah. commerce or my place and convert from a education standpoint, now this may be super powerful and I'm judging a book by its cover, but that's how we do. We live in a superficial world. Y'all we're Instagram famous. Okay. <laughs> that's how we do it now. <laughs> um, the other one, let's see, where's my, I just have too many tabs. So I'm going to just type it in. Duda. This somebody mentioned in the comments, they have 20 sites in Duda or 12 sites or whatever it was. This mm -hmm. is an interesting CMS that I've seen kind of percolate um, all over the place. This is like a more than just a professional website builder. They claim to give you like basically a business in a box. 
So it's a website builder that's kind of at the top here, but they get into client management, they get into team collaboration, um, so they have like workflows, like for building websites with multiple people, e-commerce, they have an app store, they have like lots of different things that um, an eight you might need as an agency, you know? Um, and so it's interesting, it's all baked in, very, very, this would be one of those monolith platforms, they're trying to get you to do everything inside of here. But again, it's growing. Um, let's see, where does that fall on the list? Doodah right here. Yeah, small, slow growth, you know, but this was out long before Webflow and look at where, you know, Webflow popped up above this thing mm -hmm. fast. Uh, mm -hmm. And then the other, the last honorable mention, um, I wanted to bring this up for one specific reason. This create beautiful websites without any code and tilde. This is a 55, 550 pre-designed blocks. This is basically Reloom. Reloom will become businesses like this. This evolved out of something like that type of thing where this somebody was like hey look at these theme builders look at these front-end builders we could make this better and we could make them modular and we can make them out of blocks if you look at what wordpress is trying to do right now with their gutenberg system they're essentially trying to adopt a system like this so that wordpress can offer modular responsive beautiful modern front ends to their back-end cms go look into what what gutenberg is and what they're trying to do they must be seeing some, because uh, Medium did the same thing. A lot of these sites kind of went block editor stuff. And that's what Gutenberg starts to become, is essentially taking some of these best practices and figuring out how can you retrofit them into this really big legacy architecture system, which was WordPress. So um, again, specializing in these content management systems allows you to do something very specific, very easily build a certain type of website here. This is not for everyone. But as we look at this pricing, you know, free 10 bucks a month for a little basic website. Sometimes that's all people need. We're in the space where we want to build websites. We want to know the best technology to build this stuff. Not everybody wants to build. Some people just want to use. Some people just want to have. Some people just want a nice website. They don't want to build a website. They don't want to learn how to build a website, you know. And so I would continue to see a lot of these evolve. These platforms are going to continue to evolve. And this leads us into, you know, the modern world of no code. Now we've gone through the full arc over the last 20 years, the evolution of CMS, which leads us into the world now where we're seeing no code tools kind of become abstracted layers for the back ends. We're seeing things like Webflow become abstracted layers for the front ends. And at some point, these things are going to meet in a really cool way as these data layers just start blending with each other. And the future of invention comes from people taking these little tools and building who knows what kind of business you know, products or platforms moving forward. So I'll leave it at that. Joe, any thoughts there as we uh, wind up the episode? Well, all of these things will have to happen once Webflow releases the marketplace, once they open up the platform a little bit more for developers to interact with. So going, we, we had Nicholas comment up before, and that's a, that's a great scenario if we have the tools to go and implement that. Right now, it's just not possible. But yeah, this, this front end as a service concept, beautiful. Yep. It really is beautiful. Yep. And don't forget that Webflow, Vlad was trying this stuff too. Like Vlad saw what was happening with WordPress years ago, years before Webflow took off and was trying to build his version of a theme editor, right? They were like, how can we do this better? And they started and failed multiple times before the current iteration of what we see as Webflow. So while all this stuff is evolving, maybe we should have opened with some of that. While all this stuff was evolving 20 years ago, 
You know, the thought of building this new thing was in the thoughts of other folks. And they're like, how do we take some of this technology and wrap our version of abstraction on it and create a tool that leads to other things? And their first step was landing pages, right? WordPress's first step was the CMS. It was the content. It was, we want bloggers. Webflow's first step was, hey, we want to build landing pages a little nicer. We want these to be a little more beautiful. We want more design freedom and flexibility on the front end. And so those paths will cross interesting to see how this all plays out i think looking back on it five or ten years from now this is all going to be uh cool to see how you know all these roads interconnect but um yeah i i again we're at the beginning of all this you know so as much as we can look at the history and get excited about where we've come what we see in the next few years is really where this is all culminating so if you're just getting into the space you know welcome <laughs> lucky you you didn't have to beat your head against this stuff for the last decade or more but um yeah it's an exciting time to be in the space very. And we're six minutes over we time. We still did it. We still is this, did it right Is this on. considered short form content now? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Usually 20 minutes over, 15 minutes over. So yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. That's it. And who said uh, long is good? John was saying here, I think we said Jane before, and I don't know if this is John or I, I don't know how you pronounce that. Maybe help us with the pronunciation so we can perfect that over time you keep showing up we'll try to get your name right okay this is what happens in the comments uh mike douglas saying long videos are good we can always watch the recordings great and we've tried we're starting to timestamp them in, in real time now so within you know hours usually of the videos going live now there's some timestamps on them which hopefully help you jump through the conversation hopefully that makes them accessible let's see nicola toledo hmm apps communicate with Jason. So is definitely possible. And we'll open the door to another level of development. Mm -hmm. Yes. Once that is supported in Webflow as a platform, that's right now, it's a really terrible limitation. Yep. Yes. Yep. Um, okay. Yeah. Similar to what Wiz is doing, but directly in Webflow, wouldn't that be something? Yep. Hmm. Duda has tons of agreements with other businesses so they can offer a website builder. Yeah. Duda is a, like a white label like thing. Like, um, I remember years ago when I was getting into WordPress, I remember some guy coming around pitching me Duda and I think they were growing on some kind of like sales, like MLM thing. I don't know if they had, they had like people on the ground literally come into events and were pitching Duda. So I don't know if they had some kind of agency or affiliate structure or some sales commission structure or something, but, um, yeah, I think they became a lot of like just the back end for a lot of folks. You know, like if you wanted to get into the technical services, if you wanted to build websites, they kind of became that white label agency services in the back. So um, very interesting niche. I bet they made a lot of money. I bet they're still making lots of money. I, I bet they continue to grow. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Being on that list. If you're on that list, it's a big deal. It's it's not easy to get on that list, even being at the 0.1%. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's serious. Joe... We mentioned this last week, but I think it's like confirmed now. Everyone hates us. What? There's 130 people watching with only uh, 63 likes, yeah. you know? Come on, oh, guys. Yeah. People do. I, yeah. I'm getting yeah. tired of reminding you, honestly. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> 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 like the videos. We appreciate it. Uh, just keep thinking of different ways to tell you how to like the video because I watch YouTube videos sometimes too, and they tell me to like the videos, and I never do. So I can imagine some of y'all sitting there telling me to just shut up, but it really does help. Yeah. <laughs> that's the only... That's that's such a way that YouTube knows that you like the content. So if you actually like the content, it's not, we don't care about you pressing the like button, but YouTube does. And yeah, I think 
we have we have this growing show because everybody keeps coming back and the like button is being pressed and you're subscribing so thank you yeah. and that is it's a huge help for us it helps us continue to put more resources into what we're doing each week yeah <laughs> michael rose great episode as usual thanks guys Thank you. Maria saying, hey, accessibility won me over today. How dare Webflow do a stream in our time slot? <laughs> this is going to get interesting as we go because like we had the same thing um, and there's no ill intent, uh, but we had our pros only hang out uh, yesterday and it just happens to overlap um, the Floxies, you know, like time slot for their community. And it's like, uh, you know, it's going to be harder and harder to do as so many things pop up. I was talking with somebody about this uh, uh Melissa, I think before the show, like there's so many little things that you could get lost in just attending and showing up for and being in the community. And, um, so anyway, thanks for stopping by Maria. I know uh, some people had to make a choice between our stream and web flows and sometimes it'll be between our event and somebody else's event, but, um, just keep showing up for the community. Y'all. We, if it's us, we love it. If it's somebody else, we support them too. So, um, we're, we're loving seeing this community grow. Yeah. Considering the duration of the universe, this is short form. Nice. Joe, you want to take that one? You like to speculate. <laughs> oh, I love it. It's my favorite. What do you see in the next five years? Well, I see a healthy Webflow plugin marketplace. I don't know what it's going to be. I don't know if we ha it's going to have this headless CMS option. I don't know if it's going to have plugins or whatever it's called as. But I see this being a healthy environment. And I see the limitations that we have today in Webflow will not be present in five years. Whatever we're talking about as limitations in five years, I would think most of those would not be limitations anymore, Correct. either due to Webflow's native updates or from functionality within the marketplace. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I think feature parity across some of these platforms. Um, what you'll start to see, I think, is that the, dif the differentiator will have been the community. You know, I think you'll yep. see that money can buy technology and developers and you could throw, you know, a hundred million dollars at, you know, some big development operation and maybe clone Webflow, but you can't clone the traction. You can't clone the community. You can't clone like the loyalty. So maybe somebody comes up and becomes a technically like, you know, there's some parity across the feature sets. But I really think that, you know, the community is what's separating this product from a lot of others. And that will continue to, to be the case. And I just see that compounding over the next few years. Uh, five's a long time in the, in the tech world. Yeah. Um, <laughs> nice. This is a perfect. Great excuse for a long lunch. Nice. Nice. Penny, I didn't know that. Lots of folks moved to Dudot after Business Catalyst closed. I was not familiar oh. with Business Catalyst either. There you go, Eric. First live stream. This was this was fun and informative. Today was my first live stream. Glad to finally catch one live instead of being stuck in the recordings. Thank you so much, Eric. Yeah. Happy to have you. Yeah, it still blows my mind. I think this is one of the my favorite things, and this is why we bias towards the conversation in the chat, even if we leave our notes in the dust. You know, like even if I spend hours researching notes and we don't get to the stuff, I prefer the chat because y'all take time out of your day to come watch this live. And so there's something about knowing that you're all there on the other side of the screen that makes this more than just us recording a video. Um, I think if yeah. we were recording these long form 
they wouldn't work if they weren't live. I think the live is what makes the long form work is because we're all kind of hanging out and bouncing these ideas off of you. We can't come out here and say dumb stuff because literally in real time, you could tell us, Hey, why are you saying dumb stuff? <laughs> right? so, and Jeff making a good point. Only half the audience hates us. So. Yeah, that's not bad. We're at 80 now. That's a good jump. There we go. Cool. Mobile YouTube only showing six lights and that's not climbing. Yeah, probably because it doesn't refresh unless you refresh the mobile. They only um, they don't they don't have the socket stuff on the mobile just for uh, d d mobile data load. But if you reload the video, you'll get it. Josh Lowe is saying very informative today. I felt like it was a web history one on one class. Yeah, yes. Yeah. I know. I felt like a teacher. I felt like my old teacher days. Just so you know, we started a digital marketing course. Like I used to teach uh, digital marketing at a university, um, which is funny to me because I'm a design school dropout. Like I'm a college drop out. <laughs> I would always open the first class saying, uh, your college professor today is a college dropout. So for whatever that's worth, I'm going to tell you some interesting things about how to market yourself online. <laughs> it's always such a fun nice. way to open up the class. Wow. Mustafa. <laughs> that's your In five years, we were, we're all going to have a chip in our heads. We will design with our mind only. Well, that would be interesting. Yeah. That's a cool plugin. Yeah, <laughs> Neuralink. <laughs> Community is key. Eric Odom is saying uh, the reasons many others have failed or decline. Let's say have declined or outright failed. I think Webflow is finally nailing the community piece. I think the community is nailing the Webflow piece. I think I, I don't know that you can attribute like the the growth of the community in Webflow. I think is due to the product being so powerful to the folks who use it. I don't think like you can't be sitting in a marketing boardroom at Webflow five years ago. And thinking like we're going to build this community and it's going to be like what it is today like this is you can't you just can't you can't visualize that you can dream about one day having something like that but this community is an entity in and of itself that just and this is the same thing i saw if you go back to the early days 20 years ago so let's let's do the call back you know the the, the tie back to the beginning of the episode if you go back 20 years ago and you see how these things develop WordPress beat Joomla and Drupal because of community. The reason I went with WordPress when I got into this game was I was considering those platforms, Joomla, Drupal, WordPress, they're all open source. They all have similar features. They all have plugins. They're all whatever platforms to get online. But WordPress had the community and I felt that energy. I felt people excited. I saw some of the same stuff I'm seeing in this early Webflow space where I'm like, oh, that's the winner. And so I went with WordPress. And now I'm making this shift now, not lightly. I used to make a good living off on WordPress. I, you know, like the career was good. Like life was good. There was no real reason other than a little bit more creative flexibility, but now here we are, you know? And so I think that the community is not necessarily something Webflow is shaping and crafting. They're trying to get their hands on this now, but this is a, this is a beast that's going to grow in ways they can't even think about over the next couple of years. Yeah. And I think nobody can think about. Correct. You, some you... of us can think about. <laughs> some of us are trying to push and shape it right a little bit yeah 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 push and shape it and the community always surprises me it's it's always surprising to see what people are creating what people are coming up with what types of things are now being used as marketing i mean a lot of people are creating marketing assets and tools that you would never consider as marketing five years ago or 10 years ago. You know, creating suites of tools or clonables to market your business. You know, there was a point where Webflow, 
use clonables just to share work. Like, hey, check out this cool thing that I did. Check out this. Now, clonables are being used to market a business as mm. a viable marketing source. And I, I wouldn't have imagined that when, clon when clonables first started. Uh, so, yeah, what are clonables going to be used for in five years from now? Do we see the business in a box concept? Right. Maybe. Right. Well, think about, too, speaking on the clonables thing, I haven't regularly published clonables in probably like a year and a half, two years. Like if you go back to my word, uh, Webflow profile and you see there was a phase where I was like super active and I was like clonable, clonable. And then all of a sudden, you know, I kind of stopped doing that. And that's when I got tied up with the community and really started focusing more on the community as opposed to being a builder. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to make my living in Webflow as a web developer as much as I am in building community and, and kind of creating some of this stuff. But those clonables still drive leads. Like I, every once in a while, I forward a lead to our team that comes from those clonables and that's years later. So that's the same thing with like blog articles that I wrote, I don't know, five, eight years ago. I still get traffic from those. And so you don't know how things you put out there into this world, this internet world, come back in a boomerang style. You know, something that you do, one of my most popular pieces of content didn't actually take off until months after I had written it and published it, you know? And so you never really know how people are going to take things on the web. Um, this happens all the time too. Maybe as a creator, you've understood this where like, you know, you spend weeks on a piece of content and you put it out and it just gets like a, you know, barely an engagement. And then you flip something off the cuff and you post a little video that's nothing and it goes viral and it gets thousands and thousands of views. You're like, what the fuck? Fuck the internet. You know, it's like, how does it work like this? We don't know. So just keep putting good stuff out there. It'll come back to you a hundred percent. You, you, you could put, putting back in this community, keep putting back in your product and your education and your skill set, whatever it is, that stuff all comes back to you. And one piece of content that we do know is definitely going to be happening is next Tuesday. Mm -hmm. We're talking mental health. Yeah. If you weren't here in the beginning of the episode, we're going over it again now. Mental health topic. So we're taking a little bit of a break from talking directly about Webflow as a platform. And instead, we're going to talk about the mental health implications of being in this industry. Freelance, web development, tech, uh, agency, whatever you define yourself at, as in this ecosystem, we're talking about mental health in this ecosystem. So that will be next Tuesday. Come to that episode next Thursday. I already forgot. Trivia. What are we doing next Thursday? Trivia. Oh yeah. We have a big trivia update. This one's going to be very, very fun. We have multiple lives. We have 50, 50 jokers and we have a live leaderboard. This was built in collaboration with WISD. It's going to be really cool. So next week, Tuesday, Thursday, you got to be here. Yeah. They're going to be great streams. For sure. I see lots of comments coming in. Ipsit uh, saying, what flow site's best suited for what kind of business? Good platform for coaches. It's a good platform for lots of stuff. I think 80, 90% of the websites you want to build, you could probably find it. Depends on what you're trying to do with the coaches. Um, we talk about this stuff every week, like Joe's saying, Tuesdays and Thursdays. Tuesdays, we're focused on growth and business. Thursdays, we get a little deep. We get a little hands-on. We learn a little something um, or, or we do trivia or we do something hands-on. So um, that's kind of the way this plays out. Um, I would encourage you, Ipsit, if you want to check out some of our other previous streams, we, we dive into some of those. Uh, Penny, we appreciate your love here. Um, I don't think it's solely what we're doing, but it is, you know, like everything that's happening is community, all the people that are pushing it forward. Um, yeah, it's definitely, it's cool to see that so many people giving, uh, awesome job, Miguel. Thank you, Penny. I agree. Uh, near enough future of is getting the platform and agencies moving interested, involved things like noble API help us now, but they help all. Yeah. 
but we don't know how people use those stuff in the, in the forward in the future. So that's, that's the fun of it. So I think we'll leave it at that. Uh, they're encouraging them, letting us run with it. There you go. Weather's failed. Yep. 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 All right, folks. Uh, so pumped for Tuesday stream. Yeah. We're going to try to make it through with no tears y'all on Tuesday. <laughs> we're gonna get deep i think we'll get personal and um and deep on tuesday in a way we typically don't so new uh fin sweet webflow psychologist and therapist team yeah mostly just empathy from being on the path you know we have been where you all are you know and still are at a lot of ways right so we're learning from you as much as y'all are learning from us in a lot of ways in this community and i think that's some of the fun of it is that we're just out here hanging on a rope and kind of uh, exposed and vulnerable <laughs> in these live streams. So, um, I think that's, that's part of what makes them fun. Okay. <laughs> nice. Nice. Thanks Frank. Okay. Okay. That's it. Great any episode. Final, any final Thank words? You, Joe, that's it. It's over. That's it for me. Bye. Hey, like the video, subscribe on YouTube. Yeah. Come back next week. Okay. Bye. Oh, flow tell tomorrow. Okay. Bye. Oh, bye if you're still listening to us because I think the audio is still going through. We're now disconnecting properly. <laughs>